You're listening to episode 55, my exclusive interview with Mary Potter Kenyon, seven-time award-winning author and certified grief counselor. Welcome to the Rock Your World Naturally show, sharing God's prescription for total health in spirit, soul, and body. I'm your host, Rakesia McMillan award-winning author, Air Force veteran, and total health coach. I'm passionate about sharing biblical truth, scientific research, and practical lifestyle approaches to help heal your world naturally. In this exclusive interview, I had the opportunity to host Mary Potter Kenyon, Mary is a certified grief counselor and seven-time award-winning author and has been featured in 10 Chicken Soup books. In this show, we discuss her latest work, Call to Be Creative, a guide to reigniting your creativity. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome to the show, certified grief counselor and seven-time award-winning author, Mary Potter Kenyon. Thank you for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure to be able to host you on the show today, Mary. And before we get into the show today, I always start out with an icebreaker question. So if you could let our listeners know, what are you doing in your world right now that is rocking your world naturally? Well, I'm at a good place in my life right now. I had a book on creativity come out last year, and I'm doing all things creative. And even though I'm not an artist, I have been a writer for over 30 years. So, And I am encouraging people through programs I'm doing, through workshops I'm doing, to find and discover their own creativity, my workplace. I have programs that I plan there. I'm a program coordinator. So I'm just really immersed in creativity right now, and it feels good. Oh, and that's such an interesting area of work that you are in, and I know that it's your passion. And for someone that's listening out there, Mary, that really wants to be able to spark their creative ability, how do you get someone going in that area, or what does that look like? I think we have to go back to our childhood because we are all born creative. We're designed to be creative. And so if we can look back, and I know some of us have to look farther back than others, but if we can look back and think about what what we were drawn to naturally as children, were you the little child who daydreamed in school and made up stories in your head? Were you the child who all summer spent outdoors digging in the dirt and maybe poking anthills with sticks? Or did you want to follow your mom around in the kitchen? Did you want to get your hands into that um, cookie dough, not to eat, but to create cookies? Did you want, did you watch your grandmother sew? And, and did you want to do what she did? Did you want to make the beautiful quilts she made? So if we can look back to whatever it was that we were drawn to as children and start to recreate some of that into our adult life. 
and not worry about um, making mistakes or it not looking right, but instead just play again. That's what we, we are healthier, happier, um, emotionally, mentally, physically, if we are adding those things back into our life as adults. Oh, and I love the phrase that you, you used, Mary, when you said we need to learn how to love to play again. And I think that's so um, essential in our time right now um, because of everything that's going on. I mean, we have slowed down a bit with COVID-19. We've had to find some creative ways to operate in our new digital world. But I think that many times we get caught up in the, the busyness and the doing of life that we totally forget how to play. And so tracing our steps, our path back to, you know, our childhood, I think is such a, a great way to really engage that so that we can find out what it is that we um, can incorporate in our lives to bring that play back, so to speak. Sadly, somewhere along the line from the time we were five-year-olds who didn't care whether we were coloring outside of the lines or getting dirty or making messes to the times when we had to start working maybe or get serious about schoolwork or leisure time became the time for creativity. And most of us don't have much leisure time. And so we abandoned those things Mm -hmm. that made us happy, that brought us joy. And if we can find that in our work, at home, wherever, if we can find that and work it into our lives. I mean, the most creative teams and jobs are those that are doing brainstorming and letting letting themselves think outside of the box. So (laughs) there is that we can work that into our life in some way. Yeah, and now that you mentioned that, Mary, when I think about like my own childhood, um, we were always outside playing, we were always outside exploring, you know, trying to find some new adventure. And even today in my adult life, I love the great outdoors. I love um, being outside. I love being in nature. Um, And so when you mentioned that, it just really helped me to understand, you know, how that evolved in my life from the things that I enjoyed doing in my childhood and how I'm incorporating in that that in my life. It's a big part, I think, of my self-care, whether I'm going outside, walking, um, and just connecting with nature and just really looking at and taking in all of the the scenes and the just the beauty of everything around me. So um, that's, again, that just made me think about that going to my own childhood. Mm-hmm. And I rediscovered nature during the pandemic. I had a little bit more time, but it was loneliness. I live um, with my 17-year-old daughter, and my husband had passed away eight years before that. So I heard that in Iceland, they were hugging trees to alleviate that loneliness. And so I tried, I live in town, so I tried it with the tree across the street at the school. And oh my gosh, I just felt embarrassed. I thought, oh my, no, I hope nobody saw this. I'm hugging a tree. But when I visited my son who bought my mother's place after she died and she had like a wooded area, when I visited my son and I thought, well, I'll try those trees. And so I went down into the woods by myself and 
started hugging those trees. And you know what? It felt good. And they had their own personalities. So it was like amazing. So I, I look forward to going to his woods now um, yeah. quite often. Oh, I love that. So you're a real fellow tree hugger, Mary. Yes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and so, you know, helping people to, to find their creative spark and just looking at some of the work that you've done and you've written so many um, um, writings published in newspapers, magazines, Chicken Soup of the Soul. And um, you've got a newly released book called To Be Creative, A Guide to Reigniting Your Creativity. Can you share a little bit about how, how that book evolved? Well, I grew up in the home. We were very poor. I was number seven of 10 children, but my parents were very creative and innovative. Like my father could take apart two non-working stereos and put them together to make one working stereo. And my mother was an example of um, really making a home because she beautified our very simple surroundings with her rag rugs and her handmade quilts and wall hangings she would make out of burlap and buttons. And so I had this example of creative parents. And my mother was the kind of person who at the age of 42, I believe, decided she was just going to carve wood. I mean, make a statue out of wood. So she picked up a kitchen knife and a piece of wood and she actually did that and then honed those talents. So after she passed away, I had that legacy of not only a very strong faith, but a, a legacy of creativity. And I'd been writing up until then. I'd been writing for 20 some years, but I hadn't really taken my writing seriously. And so after she passed away, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously like she did. She eventually had a home business with her wood carvings and her paintings. And not only did I, um, decided to take my writing seriously. I wanted to go out there and encourage other women and men who were my age and in their own creativity, because I knew a mom at home, I'd been writing, I'd been writing for 20 some years and that my mother raising all those little children in poverty was creative. So I knew you could do that. But I discovered when I started speaking to the young homeschooling moms that they decided they were too busy to work creativity into their lives or they didn't have time or they do it when their kids were grown up, which if I'd waited, I'd still be waiting because my daughter is 17. Mm -hmm. And when I was speaking to older women on the other end of the spectrum, I was hearing what was heartbreaking to me. Well, I don't have any talents or worse, it's too late for me. So that was really the idea that was 2000 and, um, 11, 2012, when I started thinking about, there's a book in this somewhere. Mm -hmm. There's a book in the fact that people don't think they're creative. Mm -hmm. And so the seeds of that book were planted way back then. And it was in 2017, I finally picked up the outline I'd written and I was miserable in a job that was killing me creatively. And I thought, you know what, I'm changing jobs. I'm going to get this book started. And so I did that. So it was a long time coming. But um, I, that's my passion now, my passion and my purpose, not only to help other people through grieving, because that's part of what I do, but also to help people see the creative them 
Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, definitely the work that you do. Your passion is to help find those hidden talents, those buried treasures that we all have on the inside of us. And for those of you that may, that are listening, you just may need a little bit of motivation, a little bit of guidance and direction on how to actually tap into um, that creative ability that um, you've been blessed with. And there may be something, just as Mary just said, that she discovered that the job that she was in was stifling her creativity. So maybe there's some things in your life that um, need assessment, taking an inventory of what is going on around you to really determine, you know, are there things that are really um, dampening or snuffing out my creative ability that are hindering me from flourishing and going forward in, in my destiny and my purpose and what it is that I'm called and, and created to do. And I am so excited to be a part of seeing that and a part of that for a woman. I'm thinking of a woman in particular who was in her 70s and she'd been writing poetry for years. She never submitted anything. She told me she didn't want to be published at first. She told me that. But as she warmed up and was reading her poetry to to a group that I had created, a creativity group. And I kept telling her, this is beautiful poetry. Why have you not submitted it? And she admitted it was because she did not think it was good enough. Mm. Well, as soon as she got the confidence to submit something and get it published, she can't stop now. And I just see this light in her eyes. And Mm. it could be one person who told you this isn't good enough or you're not going to be able to do that or you know, whatever it was. And it can be one person who does the opposite for us is to encourage us. We happen to have the right teacher, you know, so I see it too often. But when I see that light come on somebody's eyes, I am so excited. And guess what? We're never too old until we're dead. We're not too old. (laughs) We can still, we can still find something to bring us joy in our lives and discover what it is maybe that we were created to do and to be a part of that. You know, I was, when my husband passed away in 2012, I had a goal to at least write another book and get it published. Well, since 2012, I've signed six book contracts, you know, so there's, there is no age limit on success, whatever we think success is. And also I've learned how to just try things. I did a mixed media project and had so much fun. I did another one, you know, and painted and it didn't look very good and that's okay because I found that we can just have fun for some of these doing some of these things we have to allow the fear of failure is what stops a lot of people Mm. oh you might know somebody who's a painter and you know I'm never going to be able to do that but you can still paint you can still have fun oh and I think you just unlocked so many golden um, nuggets there and I Um, really want to hit on the point that you shared that someone may have spoken over your life and told you that you couldn't do this or you were not good at something. And those words could have been impactful to the point that they've paralyzed you from pushing forward into what it is that you really have a love for, what it is that you have a 
passion for. And so um, whether it was the words that once someone said that you're too old or even if you're too young, don't let anyone limit your capacity or your ability to advance forward in that space of, of being um, creative. And, you know, um, so many times there's such a negative connotation as we grow older into our latter years, but those are some of the most fruitful and productive times because whether it's our, our children have grown, grown older and we just have that additional time to um, work on those things that we've always wanted to work on. I think about you know, Mother Teresa, she did some of her greatest work in her latter years. Um, Billy Graham did amazing, even in his 80s and 90s, you know, evangelistic work in his latter years. Um, Maya Angelou, latter years. So um, not being, again, hindered by the, um, whether it's the stereotypes of age and not being able to do and accomplish those things in life. And sometimes I think we need permission. We need permission to do things that, like I said, maybe frivolous. Somebody might think it's frivolous. But when I um, wrote the book on called, the called To Be Created book, I did a lot of, I delved into the research. I fall down the rabbit hole of research mm-hmm. for everything. But I did a lot of research and I thought, I discovered there's a science behind all of this. There's a science behind the fact that our aging brains actually are better at some things. Maybe we forget things and maybe our aging brain is better at maybe because of the experience we've had, there's things that it's better at. So that was um, a relief to hear because I was starting to lose things and thinking, oh my gosh, what's wrong with my brain? Well, there's nothing wrong with my brain. It's just an aging brain. But also that there's science and research behind the fact that creativity, there is health benefits to it. So if we give ourselves permission to try some of these things and do some of these things, that's all it takes sometimes for somebody. When you talk about um, somebody somebody's words stopping you and we probably all have some experience when somebody made us feel less than or made us feel like we couldn't do something I think of this woman who started coming to my writers group and she said she'd stopped writing several years before that and I asked her why because her writing was beautiful and she said well the last writers group they told me I should stop putting emotion into my writing I said um you are writing about your brother that died years ago. How could you write about that without putting emotion into it? And it's beautiful. And you you bring us to that place with you. And the reader can feel that pain and feel. And I says, don't you dare stop putting emotion into your writing. You know, so, yeah, it's there is science behind all of this. It's not, it's my faith that we were designed and built to be creative, but it's science right there supporting that fact. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, you mentioned faith, Mary. And so how does faith play a part or a role, you know, in the work that you're doing now? Mm-hmm. I, I can't separate the faith and the creativity or the faith and my work with people who are grieving. It's like 
um, when I was a librarian, I had to because we weren't allowed to talk about faith when we did programming. And it got to the point where I was like having a difficult time to talk about creativity without mentioning the creator or a difficult time talking about healing from grief without talking about the healer. So I am so grateful that I ended up in a a job where I can talk about faith in God every day, Mm -hmm. but it's all intertwined for me. It's um, I can't, even my writing and everything I do, all the work I do, I always pray beforehand. I ask God to help me say or do what he wants me to do because I feel like it's his work. Even the book about creativity is the way things fell into place with it. It was just like, okay, this is not me. I mean, yeah, I'm writing it, but God is God is in all of it. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a divine presence in the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. And so um, with your writing and with your passion to... Um, help others find their creative spark. What aspect of your work do you enjoy the most, Mary? Well, it's when I get into the flow, and that what what I mean by that is when I get lost in it and time just flies. Writing does that for me definitely. I can wake up at eight o'clock in the morning and start writing, mm-hmm. and have my daughter interrupt me at two o'clock in the afternoon and say, "Hey." Are we going to eat today? <laughs> and I think it's block in real life time. And that happens when I'm speaking on topics I'm passionate about too. It's just like the time just flies. There, I have no trouble trouble talking about what I have passions for, and um, planning programs here at work that I'm excited about. Being able to maybe help people with grief, with their writing, with creativity, um, with finding meditative practices or learning to center themselves all of those programs are exciting to me that I want I want to take every program that I plan because I'm so excited about the topic oh sure sure you mentioned um the programs that you have Mary that really um help individuals whether it's with creativity whether it's with grief, whether it's um, helping new writers to grow, um, where can individuals find you out there on the internet that want to find out more about how to connect? Yes, you can find me at www.marypotterkenyon.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, just type in Mary Potter Kenyon. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And so for those of you that are listening, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Mary's books. I mean, she's written, I believe, a total of seven, mm-hmm. but her her most recent one, Call to be Creative, A Guide to Reigniting Your Creativity, which is available on Amazon. Um, regarding your programs, Mary, are there any special events that you have coming up that you would like to share with our our listeners? Well, you can check um, online. ShalomRetreats.org is the place that I work, and we have some Zoom programs coming up. We're, we're going to continue doing Zoom even after everything's mm-hmm. whatever normal is anymore, but we also are going to be doing in-person programming. And I've got, um, I am almost always planning some kind of 
online program that people can participate in. Expressive Writing for Healing, I'm doing this summer, which will, will be listed on the shalomretreats.org, but also on my website. Oh, excellent, excellent. Um, can you talk a little bit, Mary, about the grief work that you do? Because I know that, you know, in our time that we're living in right now, there's been so much um, loss, whether it was from COVID-19, just a lot of things that are going on globally. And so how does the, uh, the grief program work for someone that would like to connect with you? We have to, as grievers, find out what works for us. So I, I do expressive writing for healing. I don't expect every single person who's grieving to journal, but it's a very cheap and expensive thing that um, has, has science behind it again. But I also am plan, I plan an annual grief retreat, which is like a hands-on, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tackle this grief with creativity and I'm gonna make something, I'm gonna make a vision board and I'm gonna make rocks with my loved one's name on and stuff. And that's not for everyone either. Um, here at our center, we tried to offer different things. This summer we're doing a Zoom program because there's a lot of different kind of loss associated with the last year. You may have lost time with your grandchildren. You may have lost a job. There's a lot of different loss that you can't necessarily find support for. So that's going to be an, an online, online Zoom program too. But you really, there's tools out there and we have to find the tool that works for us or we can walk around in the dark trying to feel for the light and just stumble around. And some people do live like that for years. But it's not moving on, it's moving forward. And we can actively do that. Now I knew when I lost my mother, my husband and my grandson in the space of three years that God had to have designed our bodies and our minds to withstand loss, right? Because we're all going to have it. Well, yes, he did. And science has proven that we are designed to handle and withstand loss. But there, we have to find the ways to help ourselves too. Some people do want the one-on-one -on -one support with a counselor. Some people want the circle of grievers at a support group. Um, others would rather deal with it through hands-on activities like gardening and baking and, you know, mm -hmm. but it's, there's a lot of different ways to handle it and you need to find what works for you. Oh, and I think that's so important that you shared that because everyone grieves differently mm -hmm. and it's, it looks different for everyone. So really um, coming up with a, plan that fits your um, scope and just your needs to be able to grieve in your your own way. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about your book, Refined by Fire, A Journey of Grief and Grace? Yes, that is kind of a chronicle of, of my journey of losing mother, husband, and grandson in the space of three years. When my husband died in 2012, I didn't know any other widows. The only other widow I knew was my mother and she'd passed away 17 months before that. So I really, I literally said to the funeral home director, where's the handbook? How do I do this? <laughs> I had no idea. Well, I kind of felt my way and I kind of, I think at least for me, I instinctively knew what I needed. 
I knew I needed quiet time. I knew I needed the Bible. I had no idea how to find the answers in the Bible. So I had to figure that out. Yeah. I knew that I needed a certain type of prayer, not the prayer that I'd grown up with, with rope prayers, but the out loud praying, um, just mm -hmm. like talking to God type praying. So yeah. that's kind of the direction I went. And so I share that in my book, hoping that other people will find answers. I share pieces of my journal, which is literally a mess at that time. But aren't we all mm -hmm. a mess when we're mm -hmm. going through that? Mm -hmm. Like I journaled about crying in the peanut butter aisle at the store and bolting out of the out of the door and sitting in the parking lot, uh, slamming my fist against the against the steering wheel because I wanted people to, I would share that personal mm -hmm. kind of ugly memory because I wanted people to know that's normal. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay if you break down in the peanut butter aisle or the coffee aisle or whatever it is because you are grieving. Yeah. So I shared the messy and I shared the beauty because there is beauty. There is beauty in that darkness. And there are these little pinpoints and these little pinpricks of light coming from a stranger at the grocery store, coming from an unexpected place there. I could see little pinpricks of light in that darkness. And I knew that was God. And mm -hmm. so that, and that was grace and to fall to my knees in front of the couch where my grandson lay dying and to know this little boy was, yes. uh, we were going to lose him. And I whispered, tell grandpa, I love you. I love him. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, and I knew I was closer to God than I'd ever been in my life is kneeling in front of that little boy and that gentle, beautiful little soul, you know, so there was beauty in the brokenness and that's what I share in that book. Oh, and I absolutely love just how you said that you want people to know it's okay mm -hmm. you know, to be expressive in our emotions because many times, you know, we're taught, you know, don't cry, you know, to bottle up our emotions or to keep it inside. But I just think it's a, a wonderful, very beautiful thing um, of your transparency. And so for those that um, may need a little bit of support, I encourage you to get Mary's book, Refined by Fire, a journey of grief and grace so that as you reflect on her journey, there may be some things in there that you can relate to as well. And so Mary, as we close out our show today, are there any parting words you'd like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, we're all here. To, we're all here to help each other home. I believe that strongly. And that's why I do what I do. That's why I write what I write. And we've all got it, something in us, some gift. And I want each and every one of your listeners to know that, that there is something in them that they were designed to do and mm -hmm. they can help other people too. Oh, thank you so much for sharing those words um, with our listeners on today and helping to ignite the spark of creativity and also um, providing the many resources through the programs that you have. It's been a pleasure hosting you on the show today, Mary, and I just pray God's blessings upon your continued work. Thank you so much. God bless you, Mary. God bless you too.
For speaking engagements, health tips, and total health education and inspiration, visit rockyourworldnaturally.com. And on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, Rock Your World Naturally. And on Twitter, Rock Your World 28.